Welcome to the My Friend the Friar podcast, and thanks for listening. If you like My Friend the Friar and want to support us, please consider subscribing or following us if you haven't already done so. And if you found us on YouTube, then don't forget to click the notification bell when you subscribe so you'll be notified of new episodes when they release. Thanks again, and God bless. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for joining us. And we are your hosts. Uh, I am Father Stephen Sanchez, a Discalced Carmelite priest. And I am John Lee, a cradle Catholic. And today, we're going to be sharing with y'all about us. We're just going to be talking and chatting and and, uh, revealing ourselves to y'all so you can have an idea of who we are and why we're doing this. How's that sound? So welcome. Yes, I like that. Well, cool. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You go first. All right. All right. So we're going to do this like an interview. Uh, (laughs) Interview first date style. Right. Okay. I don't don't have anything to to drink or eat, but that's fine. So, um, and some of this I already know, but it's for our, our audience. Right. So, Father Stephen, uh, where were you born, and uh, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. I lived in San Antonio, Texas uh, up until I was 18. Then I had an adventurous year in New York, came back from New York to San Antonio, and lived in San Antonio up until my mid to late 20s. So, uh, and then I went to Little Rock for my novitiate in Arkansas. So that was the furthest north I've ever been in in the United States to live for a while. Yeah. Did you have any pets growing up? Yes. I had a mutt. It was probably a terrier pit bull mix. Spot. And I spot. had him for 15 years. Spot. Oh, Spot. Yeah. Spotty. Spot. Called him sp- I called him Spotty. Was he your only pet? Uh, growing up, yes. Uh, he was given to my mom while my mom was pregnant with me, so he was a puppy. So we grew up together. And so uh, he died when I was 15. So that was, that was crushing. That, that just devastated me uh, to, to lose him yeah. when I was 15. Oh, I, I bet that's, it sounds so Americana, right? Like something you'd see in a, uh, a movie. What's the, uh, like Sandlot Old or Yeller. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> How funny. Um, yeah. do, you, do you have any favorite foods? Ooh, yes. I, people, my friends call me a foodie. I don't know if that's a correct description of who I am. I do like food. I do appreciate food. Uh, I'm not a food snob, but I do like good food. And so growing up in San Antonio, being a Hispanic family, most of the food, of course, was Mexican or Latin American. So that was, it was delicious stuff that I grew up with. My mom was a great cook. My dad was a great cook. My aunt was a great cook. So I was just surrounded by good food. All right. Any favorites? Any particular favorite? Hmm. I loved my dad's uh, flour tortillas. 
I loved my mom's baking. Um, I loved my mom's um, menudo mm, yeah. and enchiladas. Uh, stuff like that, yeah. Okay. Just there's nothing there's nothing good there's nothing better than a good pot of pinto beans and flour tortillas. Yeah. That is ultimate comfort food for me. Yeah, we eat a lot of beans in this house, so I feel you. It's good stuff. Um, hobbies. Do you have any hobbies? Uh, presently, I would say that my hobbies is mostly leisure reading. I do a lot of reading, do a lot of walking around on the property that we have here in, uh, outside of Little Rock. Um, yeah, I think I don't really have any active hobbies for a while. I did uh, drawing and I did pastels, soft pastels, oil pastels. I couldn't do oils. My perfectionism wouldn't let me do oils. So, yeah, uh, yeah that didn't work out so well for me. You uh, a Bob Ross fan? Yes. <laughs> The happy, happy little clouds and happy little trees. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. I was envious that he could do that because I, my perfectionism wouldn't allow me to do that. I don't know how to do wet on wet. So like, eh, okay. Yeah. Okay. If you could be something other than a priest, what would you do? Ooh, that's a good question. If something other than a priest, what could I do? What would I do? Uh, well, originally... I began my academic career as a pre-med student because I was going to be a psychiatrist. So I would probably go back into psychology and psychiatry. That's what I would do uh, to help people in that area. All right. Let's see. What is your first memory of me? My first memory of you is meeting you at the Christ Renews His Parish uh, retreat at the parish where you attend. And I remember your wonderful, beautiful, long beard uh, is what I remember. That beard was huge. Yes, it was. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, how long have you been a priest? Okay. I was ordained in 1992. So that was a while back. Uh, I was ordained in San Antonio at the Basilica of St. Therese. Why, why did you decide to be a priest? And then specifically the kind of priest that you are, since you're not a parish priest. I always was attracted to uh, religious themes and religious Feelings, I guess you could say. I was a, I was a spiritual uh, young boy, and I was always attracted to that. Uh, the first time I saw a picture, it was uh, a picture of St. Francis. I didn't know it was St. Francis. But it's a picture of St. Francis in our in encyclopedia, and it's him in a cave kneeling in front of a crucifix and a skull on the desk and a candle lit. And I knew... I didn't know who he was, but I knew he was giving himself to God. So I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do that, whatever that was. And it wasn't until later that I recognized and realized that it was uh, he was a religious, right? And so, and again, I had 
always been attracted to the church and to religious stuff. And I've had some really good priests in my life, uh, good religious sisters. Uh, I remember two parish priests in San Antonio at Christ the King. Uh, They're wonderful, wonderful, very fatherly, gentle men that uh, were very loving and, and cared for us. So I was very impressed with that. And then... I didn't realize that there was such a thing as a religious priest. I thought you either had to be religious or a priest. And then I discovered that there were religious priests. And then I started thinking about it. And then I got to high school. And then after I graduated from high school, I decided against it because I discovered the world, <laughs> the flesh and the devil. Yeah. <laughs> and then lived those years, my, my heathen years. And then I uh, <clears throat> I came back because it was it was something that continued to gnaw at me, eh, that consideration, right? And so then I decided I would have to come back and, you know, God wouldn't leave me alone. He wouldn't leave me be at peace. So I decided I need to, I need to resolve this. So I started doing some research. I looked at the Servites, um, uh, which was a religious order that whose uh, main Charism is to spread the devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. That's one of the things that they do. And then I looked at the Redemptorists, which is a missionary religious congregation. I looked at the Benedictines, which is a monastic religious order, because I said, yeah, something to think about. I looked at the diocese, the the diocesan priests, because I figured I should. And then that's what I was considering. And then it wasn't until... I went to the library in San Antonio, and I went to go look at a book about uh, El Greco called uh, entitled The Three Mystics, because I was fascinated by El Greco. Um, I had really good um, liberal arts education at, at uh, University of San Antonio when I began my career as a pre-med. So I went to go look at... Uh, this book to read through this book and it was the three mystics and so the myst- the one mystic was El Greco and then the other two mystics were St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila and I went like oh who are these people and then I started reading about them and I got very interested and then I started considering uh, the religious order of the Discalced Carmelites and then it was sort of the last kind of thing that I considered the last religious group that I considered uh, and when I was looking at things, uh, when I was looking at possibilities to go and do a, a live-in, which you go and you live with the communities, this was in the late summer, early fall of 82. And most of the live-in times had already passed, and I had to wait till the next spring. And I just happened to call... Uh, the Carmelite, the discussed Carmelite uh, friars in San Antonio, and the vocation director said, "Come on over and we'll talk." So uh, that's what we did. We talked, and before this happened, uh, as before I decided on the Carmelites, as I was uh, looking around, there are certain things that happened. For example, this whole idea of discovering Teresa and John, and then one one week I was down on uh, in San Antonio on Broadway there used to be an old uh, used bookstore and I went to go look for some Spanish literature and I was in that room and then by myself and then this book falls off the table I turn around and there's nobody in there 
And I pick up the book and put it back on the table. Yeah. Put it on the table and I leave the room and I go back. I go like, uh, let me see what that book was. Maybe it was something I want to buy. So I picked it up and it was a book on Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the scapular uh, miracles or miracles attributed to the brown scapular uh, of the order. And I said, hmm, okay, so Carmelite, Carmelite, Carmelite. So then I started thinking about that and that's when I decided I would uh, reach out to the Carmelites and that's how I wound up uh, knowing them and uh, giving up my uh, my version of what my life was going to be. I was going to be a filthy rich psychiatrist living on the north side of San Antonio in Balcones Heights. I already knew where I was oh, going yeah. to live. Oh, yeah. I already had my plans. And then um, when I went for my living, I made a deal with God. I said, okay. So I said, you have two weeks. And if I'm not convinced in two weeks, then I don't want to be bothered anymore. I don't want to think about this anymore. I want to put this behind me. I want to go on with my life. And so... Did you know uh, yet that you're not supposed to make deals with God? Or like test no, him like that because he wins. <laughs> I, I've I, I've learned I've learned. So I tell people I'm still in my two weeks. Uh, uh, so it's the longest two weeks of my life. So that's, and that's how I wound up uh, with the Carmelites. That's great. What's the hardest part about being a priest? The hardest part about being a uh, I think probably is. Probably, I would say, learning to maintain um, a proper distance, and that is uh, to not be judgmental or, or condemnatory uh, of people when they come to you in their different parts of their lives. You know, sometimes you're just exhausted and tired, and somebody comes up to you like, eh, 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 like, oh, okay. So I have to listen, be patient. You know, there's something. You know, Jesus is asking me to be present to this person, and so sometimes. I think it's just the workload is the hardest part. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I guess, maybe even finding yourself in a situation where you're completely powerless and helpless and all you can do is just be present. Mm. So that's very difficult. Yeah. So why did you decide to do this podcast? I decided to do this podcast because you talked me into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this because because of you because I love you and I I esteem you and I trust you. Uh, so I'm doing this because of you. Fair fair enough. Fair enough. Um last thing, do you do you have any hopes that of anything coming from from this? So like I know why you did it, but like now why are you doing it? You know. Well, I think there's um Interest in the Catholic faith, not so much in terms of being, how should I say it, uh, not so much from a teaching point, not so much from a point of trying to convince or trying to defend the faith as much as it is just, you know, sharing. Uh, I That's what I consider myself. I consider myself someone who shares what from what I've learned and from what I experienced and really uh, give witness to the the truth of of the living God in Jesus Christ and powerful instrument in lives if they allow that to to be so I believe that you know people would be interested in that that there is a, a loving God in a broken world 
All right. Well, that's the last question I had for you. Um, but I do want to share okay. before I turn it over to your uh, round of questions. Uh, yes. I just wanted to share with you what, what you mean to me. Uh, and I think I think this will, will hopefully uh, speak well to the things that you have strived, striven, strove <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> you have worked toward in your life. Um, but you've, you've shown me like great patience and kindness. Um, and you've just, you've been somebody who I can, that I feel safe to really dig in, uh, into my faith and into the, the mess of my life. Right. Somebody who, who I feel safe to, to dig in there with. Um, and you've absolutely been an example to me on being present to others when they need someone because it's not, it, it, most of the time, it's not what you'd rather be doing, right? Um, but it's just been such a model to me. And it's, it's funny because as I was prepping for this, I'd written this down with my questions, the, th- the things that I wanted to make sure that I told you in this moment. And so I think it's great that that is what I had written down. And those are the things that is hard for you and that you've worked on. <laughs> and that's, that can't be anything other than God working on you, right? So you are a model of true friendship, sir, and I'm very grateful for you. Well, thank you very much. I am blessed with your presence in my life as well. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Okay. Okay. So first, uh, we talk and we share about food. Uh, and so I know you like to cook. So one of my questions to you is, what is the dish or the meal that you like to cook for yourself. And after that, what is the dish that you would cook, dish or meal that you would cook for friends if they're different? Mm. So there, there is this great disparity in my life. I don't know where this comes from, but I, if left to my own devices, I will eat like cold spaghetti out of the fridge. Like I won't even be bothered to warm it up. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> pour a bowl of cereal. Such a bachelor. I know. It's just <laughs> I, I I want to just have a simple existence, I guess. Uh, okay. But if I was going to make something for myself, uh, it would probably be like a steak or something. Uh, I love meat. Okay. I'm a carnivore. So, uh, and then for others, I again, I love meat. So I would probably do something like barbecue or a roast or something where there's a, just a big slab of meat involved. And I don't know if that just speaks to some <laughs> primal urge, right? To like oh, oh, gather around the fire so we can, you know, feast yeah. kind of thing, but, uh, something like that. And I like bread. I like cooking bread and, and, uh, not so much baking like cakes and stuff, but I like making tortillas and I like making just homemade bread. And so I would probably be meat and bread would be what I would like to serve other people. So what is what is the the best dish that Betty makes for you? Oh goodness. Oh. What's your favorite dish that Betty makes for you? It's such a hard question because she has this really strange ability that she's passed on to Sophia. Um 
and just throwing stuff into a pot and it or, and the like they don't measure anything and it just comes out really really good um <laughs> she loves making beans like i said earlier we we have a we eat a lot of beans um favorite oh god and they're delicious it, too so. yeah it it might just it might be her beans cuz they're, they're charo beans so they've got like chicharron in it and all sorts of mm. oh it just it's so good um but she just anything she cooks is just going to be really tasty, especially stir fry, because she'll get that reference. It's she she thinks it's her one fail, but I ate all of it. <laughs> okay, so I know that you originally came from Corpus Christi, Texas. Mm-hmm. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Uh, probably not Corpus Christi. Um, not for, I love the ocean. It was really cool growing up on the ocean. There's so much life down there and really weird stuff lives in the water. So it was really exciting as a, as a little kid to, to go digging around in the sand and, and just kind of seeing what kind of critters are out there. But I like the smell of dirt, right? And I like the sound of trees and there's not a lot of dirt and trees down there. It's like sand and, you know grass kind of or it's not even grass it's like sticker burrs and stuff right so uh so probably somewhere where there's some trees maybe some mountains nearby something like that i don't think i have a specific location in mind but i could see it in my mind's eye so to speak okay so what is your favorite leisure time activity what do you do for leisure Oh, goodness. Um, I'd have to say right now my my favorite leisure activity is one of two things. One is, and I'm, I'm absolutely not trying to paint myself weirdly here, I love to just sit and just exist, just in the silence, the stillness of nothing going on. Kind of looks like I'm staring at the wall, but just to kind of be alone with your thoughts is a nice thing. Um, especially in today's, yeah. like it, it, everything is so busy and so loud. So sitting and doing nothing is very nice. But, uh, if I were going to do something, I'd have to say right now, it's probably, uh, it would be playing video games. Uh, I very much like a good story. And so that's kind of, if there's a game that I'd like to play, it's got to have a good story. It's got to tell me something. I don't want to just like, I don't know, shoot stuff or, you know, whatever the kids are playing these days. I want to have something with this story because I do like to read, but reading makes me sleepy. And so there's just a little bit more engagement kind of keeps me awake. Okay. So could you tell me a little bit about how did you get from Corpus (laughs) Corpus Christi to Dallas and from Dallas to the parish where we met through uh, Christ Jesus Parish? Yeah, I so I went to Texas A&M. Um, I wanted, I first went to college to study architecture. Well, first I went to a community college in Corpus because we didn't have a lot of money. And I wanted to um, try to explore things as, as financially, I don't know, cheap as I could, right? Responsibly as I could. And so I started taking some architecture uh, kind of design courses at the community college there, I'd taken something in high school and I thought it might be cool. Um, and I, I ended up really liking it. And my professor was from, he had, he was a UT graduate 
And he said that at the time, the best place to go is A&M. So I figured if, if a Longhorn could say that going to A&M was the best place to go, that <laughs> it probably meant something, right? So, right. Um, so yeah, so then I transferred to another community college up there, and I uh, eventually would transfer into A&M and study architecture. And uh, ultimately, that didn't work out uh, just because of the lifestyle that a lot of, I, I guess, people in that field uh, really live. I really wanted to have a family one day and not saying that architects can't, but, um, it was an extremely demanding work life while in school. And I didn't think it was worth it, I guess, to, uh, to have that kind of demand outside of the family if that was what I really wanted. Right. So I would ultimately change to being a teacher. I was a, a coach. Uh, or I transferred to, so I could be a coach and work with kids. I thought that would give me more time because, you know, you get summers off and things like that. I didn't realize how re- really demanding it is, too. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I did my student teaching up in, in Dallas. And so I okay. was lucky enough to get a, offered a, a job up at, in the Dallas area. And then for... Ah, for years, I mean, I I uh, I, I lived here, kind of did like like you the the heathen years, so to speak, uh, and then um, I was married with Betty, and uh, you know life was happening and life was messy, and and uh, we weren't going to church, but she had known that I was raised Catholic, and just out of nowhere, she goes, "What do you think about going to church?" And I was like. Like it was, it was awesome because it was like my heart just like burst into flames. It was just on fire, and I was like, "Yes, that sounds so good, right? That is exactly what I want." Uh, and didn't know it, right? Um, and she, she goes, "Well, what about a Catholic church?" Because she was not raised Catholic, and it was just even better, right? And so she did a little. I don't know. I guess she. I don't know what she was looking for, but she was just googling or something, searching online, and because we don't live um, at the parish where where we met and stuff, uh, we don't. We technically, I guess, we're in a different parish or diocese. Wait, the territory know. of a different parish, right? Yeah, now. yeah. And so she was like, "Well, what about um, what about this church down in Capel, Saint Anne?" I was like, "Let's go. Why not? I, I don't know anything about it. Let's go." And so we went. And and that was it, right? The the rest is history. So that's that's how I got to the church. I can't. I'm, I apologize. I rambled. I don't know if there was there was a second part to your question. Oh yes, yes. Thank you for that. No. The, so then, what led you to Chirp, the Christ Jesus Parish? Oh yeah, that's where we met through Chirp. So how did how did you get to Chirp? I was. I think I was just on fire. Right. I okay. had realized. I I had not realized that this that God was this, he had been calling to me, right? Like this is this, this desire that I had. And so we went to mass and it was fantastic. And then, I don't know, a couple weeks later or something, there was these guys, you know, advertising for this retreat. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I want to go. And so I was one of the few guys that actually like beelined it for the door afterwards. Like, where, how do I sign up? Where do I sign up? So that's where... Yeah, that's how I got to to meet you. 
And how do you think Christ Your News' parish has impacted your life? I know you both you and Betty went through it, through yeah. the, the program, but how has it impacted your life? The biggest way that it's affected me, I would say, is it... You realize when you're on retreat and you, you're actually, when you get to spend some time with, with the other guys, or I'm sure it's the same for the women, at least I hope it is, that you realize that you're just like them and they're just like you and you're not alone in all the you know garbage that you've kind of done in your life, that everyone has these struggles. and through, yeah. Yeah, and everyone's kind of gone through so many same, and of course, you know, everyone has their own story, so sometimes it's it's something you can't relate to, but... You know, I'd say way more than 50% of the time, you're exactly like everyone else. And so that was a big realization to me, uh, that to not feel alone or uh, isolated in the things that you are dealing with in life. And so that was really big for me. But then it also showed me, I guess, what what are the consequences of living your life around in my case, other men who are try, really trying to be good men, right? Not Maybe not successfully, uh, maybe not Godly all the time. Men. Yeah, but they're, they're actually striving for this. And that is so different than what you see when you turn on the TV or what you hear on the radio, right? It's so different than everything else in our culture. So it kind of, it felt like a little bit of home away from home, right? A, like a good place to call home. So I think those were the biggest kind of ways that it's changed my life, that community aspect of it, and to know that you're not alone in, in your life. Okay, thank you. We've spoken before, or we've talked before, you shared with me before about this inspiration that you've had burning in your, in your heart. Uh, and we first talked about... Uh, you wanting to reach out somehow through social media. And so could you tell us a little bit about how and when that started, that inspiration started in you, and how did that turn into this format of a podcast that we're attempting? Yeah, and I love how formal your questions are. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> um, let's see. So it started... So part, I guess it kind of goes, it has to go back to the Christ Renews' Parish retreat, right? Because you have the opportunity to then go put on a, a retreat for more people in the future, right? And that kind of experience of giving, of helping bring somebody else to into re, what I, I really think is relationship, um, relationship with Christ was very transformative as well. Um, okay. And so I, and I was, I was still teaching at the time. So I like, I guess there's something about teaching and maybe it, it kind of goes to fatherhood too, right? Like there's something I, I think to me, at least in fatherhood, you're called to teach, right? To, to experience go through some of those life experiences with your kids, right? And help guide them 
through that. So maybe it's kind of something that inward that calls me towards this. Uh, plus the fact that I was a teacher, but I was just like set on fire. I just really, I wanted to, I wanted to share, right? Like God did amazing things in my life and I like can't fathom that anybody could know Jesus and like not, ex- not experience that same kind of love. Right. And just not be like, yes, this is everything. Right. It doesn't make sense in my brain. And so I wanted to share that somehow. Right. And I didn't know, I, I, I don't know how to share it cause I don't do social media. I don't have any accounts of anything. Um, and neither do I. So I don't do, yeah. social, this is my first experiment yeah, into that exactly yeah and i don't like i don't i don't socialize well with people so i'm very introverted so i don't know how to go about going from everybody should know about jesus everybody should know jesus right and have that kind of relationship so then like how do we do this and so i had toyed with it for a long time um i'm a very visual learner and so uh just kind of seeing what's out there and trying to think, is there a way, like I love art. Art uh, can be to me very engaging, very gripping. So that's kind of, that would be my ideal. My kind of hope is somehow to use art to tell stories and to share and to draw people into it. But that's, it's complicated. Art is hard (laughs) and uh, speaking is easy. Right. And so over the years, I suppose it just, it ultimately kind of whittled down to just do something, do something, get started, just do something. Okay. Okay. And as you and I talked, it, uh, you may have said something once upon a time and conversation. And I was just like, Oh no, yeah, that, okay. That would be easy. Let's do that. Right. Or easier as we found out with our technical difficulties, easier, doesn't mean easy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of how we got about doing this, just that desire to bring people into relationship with them. And kind of like you were saying earlier, it's not so much about teaching, I've come to find out. It's more about sharing, right? Like you said it. I think that's a, a very beautiful way of saying yeah. it. Just share. And the more you share, I think the the more... I mean, God can do what we can't do, right? I can't change your heart. I can't heal your wounds. I can't do those things. But if you, if you can just let Jesus do it, he will. Right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should name our podcast two introverted Catholics mulling over their Catholic (laughs) faith. Yes. (laughs) If you, if you see us in person, leave us alone, please. Don't talk to us, yeah. please. <laughs> In the corner of the library, quietly whispering. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Uh, yeah. Thank you for telling us about who you are. All right. So, um, yeah, that's. I guess that's it. That's all we were trying to accomplish today is just kind of share who we are. An introduction. Yeah, and why we're doing yeah. this. I don't think we have any idea what we're doing. Um, I don't think we. And that's why we're doing it because we we don't know, we don't know the impossibility of it. That's why we're doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we don't we don't we don't know what's going to happen. Bit of an experiment. Yeah, we don't realize that we're 
ill-equipped or or whatever, right? Yeah, I told a friend of mine. I said, just think of it as as two boys playing in the garage. So <laughs> yeah, basically. just playing with Legos or blocks or cars or something. What if we do this? Yeah, but I think that's what makes it exciting too, right? And uh, yes, maybe there's a chance of maybe there's a, a fairly substantial chance of failure here, or maybe as well. Yeah, or or maybe nothing is wasted, right? Correct. God will use it somehow. <laughs>